This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Should be fun. By the way, back on the air tomorrow. So you know I do the football show with Brandon Jacobs on Sundays, but he's out. He's got some uh, obligations he's got to attend to. So Jake Asman is going to be filling in for him. So I'm excited to do the show with him tomorrow from 11 to 2.30. And we'll have you, we'll have you covered. Go through the entire slate. Doing it all. Uh, before we get to the uh, Sean Payton thing that I wanted to talk about last hour, got a question for uh, my producers. How how early is too early for costumes? Because I'm already seeing the decorations. That makes sense. Usually you go like a month in advance. You get to October and, you know, people start getting into the, the spirit. Then you'll see that transition into Thanksgiving and, 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 and Christmas. So Halloween's on a, a, a Tuesday this year. How early is too early for the costume? Like, we're going to see it the weekend before, like the 21st. Is that too early? 10 days? What you guys think? You walking around the city, you see someone dressed as a nun or a stripper. Like, how, how early is too early? I think the 21st, like the two weekends, Saturdays before, like yeah, cause, 21st. Because it's weird. It falls on. That's a little early. <laughs> to, to like 10 days ahead. I could see people doing it, but I think it's a little early. And you early. know in New York City, man, they love that. Are you yeah. dressing up this year? No, I don't think so. Or not yet. No? I thought about it. You don't got any plans? Not yet. Probably Chantel, you, you going to be getting into the Halloween shenanigans this year? No, nah, not really. Not not really into it. Oh, um, maybe I might I might dress up for Halloween this year. I might do some cool stuff. I like Halloween, man. Like I don't know if it's the fact that I've I've got two kids now, so it's fun. So to watch them, you know, put costumes on, and I, I like getting my face painted, you know, doing the whole uh, Joker thing. But Halloween's cool. I, I I I'm digging Halloween. I'm digging Halloween. But I just wanted to know how how soon is too soon. But we'll see. You know, New York City, we, we got to be early to everything. Christmas decorations. I'm, I'm surprised. I haven't seen that yet two months in advance. But we'll see. 800-919-3776. Uh, let's get to uh, Sean Payton, who had a lot to say before the season. He had a lot to say before the season, only for his team to, so far through four weeks, look worse than they did last year under Nate Hackett. They better win this game tomorrow. Broncos better win this game. Here was Nathaniel Hackett on the matchup with uh, Sean Payton. This game is about those guys out on that field. This game is not about me. It's about me helping them during the week. But I just want the guys to go out there and play a great game. That's all we're looking for. What has happened is in the past, we all move forward. Coaches definitely just focus on trying to get the guys in the best positions, and that's what we're doing right now. Sounds good and all. I ain't buying it, bro. You know this game is huge. You know you want this game tomorrow, Hackett. The way he called you out of your name, the way he just flagrantly disrespected you, I get it. You want to keep things in his, in his proper perspective. You don't want to, you know, steal the headlines, make it about you, and take away from what the team is trying to accomplish tomorrow in a huge game. Because if you have any aspirations of, you know, still having that playoff hunt be on your radar, can't happen without winning this game tomorrow against the Broncos. Because the Broncos have been bad. And they should still be winless if not for that, uh, that, that fumble last week by the Bears. And I'm not just talking about Justin Fields' fumble. I'm saying the entire game. What were they up, 28-7? to 
And then in a tie game, 28-all, Matt Eberflus, who was on his way to getting fired if they lost that game Thursday night, decided in a tie game late, instead of taking a lead, instead of kicking the field goal, he's going to go for it on fourth down when you're in the midst of blowing a 21-point lead. And you know me, I'm pro being aggressive. All these old heads, you know, they don't want you going for it on fourth. They, they want you punting and kicking field goals all game. I am pro being aggressive. But in that spot, with your team looking for its first win and all the turmoil surrounding that organization, you've, you've blown a 21-point lead. Kick the field goal, take the lead, and then let your defense, as I know it's been bad all year, but let your defense try to get a stop. Anywho, Broncos should be still winless. And, and this game tomorrow, you can play it down all you want, Sean Payton. You can play it down all you want, and then you hack it. You have to find a way to to uh, win this game if you're Payton. Because the smoke we're going to have for you, you should get the L tattooed on your forehead. Worst coaching job in NFL history. Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett, who at no point last year allowed his team to give up 70 points to the opposing team, like the Broncos did two weeks ago to the Dolphins. I'm leaving MetLife Stadium. I was at the, the Jet Patriots game, all depressed. And my boy sitting next to me is like, wait, yo, Dolphins scored 70. And I thought he was, like, exaggerating. You know, you say that, right? Like, you know, LeBron had 80 tonight. I thought he was exaggerating. He was being dead serious. They scored 70 points. Sean Payton, had, you know, all that he was talking. Oh, the Jets, they tried to win the offseason, he said. The Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron freaking Rodgers. What else were they supposed to do? You watched Zach Wilson last year. Should they have not traded for Aaron Rodgers? And As if there was some alternative that was better? Then he breeds up, you know, hard knocks is, you know, as if they, they had a choice in the matter. The NFL picked them. The NFL mandated that they be on hard knocks. They were one of the four teams fitting the criteria. And of the four teams, they had the best resume of most interesting. So, of course, they were going to put them on hard knocks. All, I mean, listen, all, all of that trash talk before the season, Sean Payton, you better win this game or you're going to drop to one and four staring at two games with Kansas City in two of the next three weeks. The Chiefs, who, by the way, with Patrick Mahomes, have never lost to the Broncos. They've won 15 straight games against Denver. And now you got to play them twice in the next three weeks. Good luck, buddy, if you lose this game tomorrow, fall to one and four on the season. You're going to have to back it up. I'm all for trash talk. I love it. It, it adds color. It adds some entertainment. It adds, you know, compelling storylines. I'm not saying don't trash talk, but you better back it up with a win tomorrow. You better back it up with a win. And I hear Nathaniel Hackett, he doesn't want to, he, he, he doesn't want to muddy the waters. He doesn't want to get down and grimy. But you know he's trying to hang 30. 40 points on that Broncos defense that right now is the worst in the league. So the question, uh, you know, once we get to the football part of it, the actual football part of it is Zach Wilson. Uh, who is the real Zach Wilson? Is it the guy we saw the first 25 career games? Or is it the one we saw last Sunday night against the Chiefs? For his career, 55% completion rate, 
more turnovers than touchdowns. There was a reason we were talking about trading for Stafford, trading for Kirk Cousins, going out there and signing, you know, Lord knows who, because this guy wasn't cutting it. And the roster was too good to have him wasted away. But last Sunday, let's be honest, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And if not for a couple calls that go against them, they probably win that game. The Sauce Gardner uh, defensive holding was just uh, atrocious. That was an abomination. Well, another thing that got lost in this game, Brees Hall, the game tied 2020. We he escapes for that big run. He's got a score on that. Last year, that was a touchdown, and you can tell he's not all the way right. And now they're saying, you know, he's playing with no restrictions heading into this week against the Broncos. He's got to score on that touchdown, man. That is a game-changing, season-changing play. You just escape to the outside. You score. You go at 27-20. And not that you're ever counting Mahomes out of a game, but just the feel of it. Chiefs go up 17-0. They're now down 27-20. If there's anyone who could come back, it's Mahomes. But just the feel of it in that stadium with those fans, with Zach playing as well as he did, with the defense balling out, forcing Mahomes to play I don't even think it's argued, but the worst game we've ever seen him play in the professionals. That that's a that's a touchdown that has to be scored. Unfortunately, it wasn't. They had a penalty go against them on defense. They had a lack of penalties called where you saw Jermaine Johnson being held, and then one that uh, on on a drive on that Brees Hall drive, uh, there was a a illegal man downfield. Connor McGovern caught. Napping and it, it changed the complexion of the drive, changed the complexion of the game. Uh, but for the Jets tomorrow, you, you need to win this game, or there's nothing left to discuss. If, if you are one and four, going up against the defending NFC champions next week, nothing left to talk about. But if they do win this, they're alive for the playoffs. You can't bury yourself going into the bye. Is what we said, you know, to start the season. Well, two and four is not ideal, but it's not buried. Three and three is obviously the goal. So you get this win tomorrow, and you you pray like hell the Eagles beat the Rams. You root for Philly to beat the Rams. Philly has been flirting with losses all year long. They've been flirting with losses all year long. You watch the games. They, they they've been flirt. They've been trying to lose these games, but they're too talented to lose them. That opening week, what were they up? 16 nothing to the Patriots? They win by five. The Vikings hung in there, came back on them. They, they destroyed the Bucs. Baker Mayfield, who you know had played well up until that point. The defense had played well. They were 2-0. The Monday night game, it was just too much for Tampa Bay to overcome. But then we saw the Commanders come back, force overtime. So they've been flirting with losses all year long. The hope is that they win this game tomorrow and they continue to flirt with a loss uh, on the road against the Jets, a Jets team that has never beaten them before. That humbling loss is going to come for Philly to wake up. They've got, you know, some struggles with their pass defense and obviously they're dealing with the ramifications of losing both their offensive and defensive coordinator. 
that's just the, the cost of doing business when you're a team that gets to the Super Bowl and, and you click the way that you did last year. And maybe there's some, you know, disagreements going on between uh, offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and, and Jalen Hurts as far as how they envision this offense being run. But, you know, that that's a game we'll look ahead to uh, after tomorrow. But the point is, Jets put themselves in, into position where that's a legitimate conversation going forward if they win this game in Denver tomorrow. And if you're a Jet fan, root for the Eagles to beat the Rams because then you can have some fun. Denver, top five offense this year. Russell Wilson has been cooking. He's got the third highest passer rating, nine touchdowns, just two picks. But they have the worst defense in football, which should be bad enough for this Jets team to feast on. Coming off of their most encouraging offensive performance, I had to look this up, since December of last year against the Vikings. Because I'm thinking, man, the Jets don't score 20 points a lot. They did score 22 to beat Buffalo in Week 1, but we know Xavier Gibson had the walk-off in overtime, so that's six courtesy of special teams. December 2nd of last year, that's that's the last time the offense scored 20-plus points like they did this past Sunday against the Chiefs. Albeit in a loss, but you stay encouraged because it shows you the potential uh, that could come if Zach does play the type of game he did last week, not turning the ball over. He's decisive, he's confident, and he's getting everyone involved the way that he did. Bad news, no DJ Reed. He's dealing with a concussion. Good news is Brees Hall, no restrictions, so he should be able to take advantage of what is a woeful run defense and, you know, returning to his house of horrors. You remember last year he suffered that torn ACL in that game in Denver, uh, you know, a, a game the Jets won against Brett Rippon. AVT also got hurt in that game. So both of those guys returned to their house of horrors and the Jets. Two and a half point dogs for a reason. I'm not saying it's going to be a gimme, but they, they are the more talented team and should come out of this game with a win. 800-919-3776. We'll return to get to your, your phone calls. Baseball on the table as well. We'll get to some basketball uh, in addition to that. Ty Butler going to 530 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. I wanted to just make it known and acknowledge that it's not forgotten about. It's just, you know, we, we try to do, we, we try to provide that distraction for y'all. Ty D. Butler is where you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. And once again, we'll be back tomorrow hosting with Jake Aspen doing the football show, leading you into the Jets pregame between uh, the Broncos and the New York Jets. Julian, you have a very, very interesting stat that I found juicy. I'm excited to hear it. What is it? So the stat is that the Jets haven't allowed a second-half touchdown since week 16 of last season. Which is insane. For all the folks out there who try to act like, oh, this defense is overrated, are you out of your mind? The defense is actually really good to great and would be even better if they had a legitimate offense. Like I the the Cowboys Niners game, right? That that's the best game on the slate for tomorrow. What's so fascinating about the matchup isn't just that, you know, they've met in the playoffs in back-to-back years, two of the best teams in the league. It's the fact that you have two top 4 teams in both offense and defense. So you don't know what to expect. Are you going to get a high-scoring game because both offenses are potent or a low-scoring because they have tremendous defenses? 
Like the, that complimentary football that you know coaches and players talk about is what you have in that game. The Jets defense, it, it, it would be illuminated how, how great they are if they got an opportunity to showcase that with the lead where they can pin their ears back and, you know, and go after the quarterback and play with comfortable and not always take the field knowing we can't even make a single mistake or we're drawing dead to win this game. So the defense is tremendous. Now, we judge it on a curve because it's in relation to the ridiculous comment that DJ Reed said when it's, you know, the uh, the 85 Bears garbage. So now everything is going to be an indictment of that because comparatively speaking, you obviously don't even come close to that. But just for what it is, this defense against all the other defenses in football, and we saw them starting to turn uh, Kansas City over multiple times. Mahomes had four balls that should have been picked. Ended up throwing three inter- uh, two, inter- two interceptions. But uh, the CJ had a pick six that he dropped. And then Michael Carter, if, if not for the Sauce Gardner interception. So I'm not here for the, oh, this defense is overrated. Y'all just don't know what, you, don't know what you're talking about. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Mitch in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? Hey, Ty. How you doing? Thanks for taking the call. Uh, what's going on, man? Appreciate you making it. I know the Giants. I like their wide receiver they drafted. I think they can use another one, but Jan Darren Jones doesn't turn around. I think they got to start looking for a quarterback next year. And it's playing from the Pac-12, Pac-2, whatever you want to call it. And you see the trade that Miami uh, made with the Bears? Yeah. The rich got richer. Another wide receiver. Yo, Chase Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool. We were talking about Chase Claypool yesterday was announced. You know, he had been away from the the team just because, you know, he wasn't happy with how he was being utilized. He was brought there for a second-round pick last year to help uh, the growth and development of Justin Fields and, you know, just hasn't materialized. But, yeah, that's another weapon for them. Unfortunately for Miami, they lose uh, Teron Armstead to the IR, so that's significant. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, they get another weapon in Claypool. But, you know, how's Chase? He's not going to get the ball. I mean, he's not going to be the number one wide receiver. He'd be uh, number three. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, he's he's going right? to be very low, you know, low in the depth chart. And I appreciate the call, uh, Mitch. It's uh, j- just because they've got so many weapons. I mean, Hill, Waddle, Mostert, uh, HN coming out your backfield. Uh, he's going to help them, of course. And, uh, you know, every team loves depth. But, is, you know, number one receiver, of course not. Uh, OG's in the Bronx. What's up, OG? Yo, what's up, Ty? How's everything? How's your family? Yo, we good, man. What's going on with you? Every everyone good? Everyone chilling? Everyone good. I just got back from outside. I'm good. I'm home, relaxing. So, on that note, I have one uh, one comment and one question for you. My first comment is, I'm I, I think the Jets are gonna win that game tomorrow. They should win that game. They better, like man. You said, they have the team for it. Uh, Zach got to do his thing. Hit the right target, boom. Okay, that's that. They're going to win. I have a feeling they're going to win. They're going to win um, eh, 23 to 16. I'm looking at 23 to 16 Jets over the Denver Broncos. I hope so, man. From your lips to God's ears, appreciate the call, OG. Appreciate you chiming in. The Broncos, as I mentioned, their offense has actually been pretty good this year. Top 10, and Russ is, has been balling. He, he had some. I mean, he had an awful season last year, and and this year he's off to a better start. It's just their defense that has bedeviled them. Worst defense in the league. They and, and you know we saw that on full display last week against the Bears, week before against the Dolphins. They they've just been awful. 
So the Jets have to find a way to be opportunistic, feasting on what is a, an atrocious unit on that side of the ball. And you've got the weapons to do it. It just ultimately comes back to the same conversation we've been having the last couple of weeks, and that is Zach Wilson. Is he capable of being a legitimate quarterback? Like, I don't even need him to be great. Just be good. Just be average. Don't turn the ball over. I would love to see what I did, what I saw last week against a, a really good Chiefs defense. That's what you're asking for. Not too much. Not too much. And, and, and maybe it's the headband because he got rid of that ridiculous headband. Here was Zach Wilson on, you know, why he didn't wear the headband last week. As the weather starts to cool down a little bit, I feel like I don't need it as much. So, you know, I brought it back out for these last two practices, but it's slowly going away. I did that last year, too, if you actually go back in some of our later games, stopped wearing it. But it's funny, people bring attention to it, you know. It's like, he wasn't wearing it, he was, you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, because it looks goofy, man. You, you don't look like a, 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 a grown man with your headband, the white headband. You look goofy. You look like a child, so let's let's get rid of the headband. Let, 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 and I, you know, I, I'm all for fun and swag and you know, sauce and all that. But the headband, I just wasn't feeling it. Uh, Zach Wilson on setting the standard for the offense. Yeah, I would say what I was feeling out there was similar to what I feel like I've been feeling since OTAs. So I think it felt good to be able to finally bring something from practice and the rhythm, the momentum, getting first downs. And this isn't just me, this is the whole offense. You know, together, being able to move the ball that way, I think felt awesome. You know, and that's something that needs to be the standard to do every week. I'm looking forward to this, man. Uh, Joe Leo, as he's leaving the studio, asked me, Yo, it's the biggest Jet game since when? Last week. Because you're still technically in it. You win this, you keep yourself alive. And what's so devastating is, like, you look at the AFC, and, like, the Bills are tremendous. Uh, they, they are scoring at will. And they put up 48 on the Dolphins last week. Not that the Dolphins' defense is anything to write home about. But we saw Buffalo week one, and their offense looked nothing like it, like it did the last couple weeks. Where they've just been explosive. Uh, the Chiefs, though, haven't looked great. Like, they're still the Chiefs, so you're not worried or concerned, but it's not like they're blowing anyone out of the water. That AFC North division that we thought was going to be fantastic, you know, Pittsburgh might have one of the worst quarterbacks in football. Their offense was a mess. We saw them against the Texans last week. The South, I guess, has been surprising because we, we thought the Jags would be much better, but everyone in that division is now 2-2. Two and two. C.J. Stroud looks awesome. Uh, uh, the West, the, the Chargers, uh, the Raiders are not good. The, the Broncos again, like, so in, in the AFC, you still have to give respect to the top tier teams, but we thought it was going to be much tougher than this. And, and, and that's why if you were a Jet fan, you were, you were excited about potentially, you know, winning a Super Bowl. Uh, but you lose your quarterback and, and this is where you are. 800-919-3776 coming up. I want to get into the Yankees before we get back to football, which we will get back to because I want to talk Cowboys, Niners. I want to talk more about Jets, Dolphins, and the uh, Giant, uh, Jets, Broncos, I should say, Giants, Dolphins. But the Yank, this is a story that came out about the Yankees this week, and it kind of shed light on what the audit is going to look like, and it had me fuming. But for what reason? Why? Why am I still this emotional about a team that? has won one playoff series the last three years. So we'll talk about the Yankees coming up, get into the Mets as well, throw in some basketball. So we got an hour left, still a whole lot to do right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show 
on 98.7 ESPN. It's Brian's in Manhattan. What's up, Brian? Hey, Todd. How are you? Doing well, man. What's um, going on? I, you know, a tr- a truth bomb. I'm a Giants fan, season ticket holder, but I'm not a Jets hater at all. I've always liked the Jets, and, you know, other than when they'll, they'll play each other in a couple of weeks, I'll root for the Jets. Um, I, I, I don't think Zach Wilson is the answer, and I think a good half of play versus Kansas City, notwithstanding, uh, the Jets should have tried to get a quarterback as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down. And I'm wondering, you know, this recent really dirty talk by Rodney Harrison trying to get one of the Chiefs to sort of bite on his Zach. Chris thing, Jones, yeah, you know, Chris narrative. Jones. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a terrible thing to do, but let's face it, he was essentially just saying what a lot of Jets fans thought and think. But that's the difference, Brian. I'll let you finish, but you just you just made the point. Jet fans, not an NBC analyst on a primetime post game. Like that's just uh, that that's just we- that's a weird way to go about oh, I, handling an interview. I I agree with you. I I thought it was, uh, you know, you shouldn't say stuff like that as supposedly an impartial analyst. Although he is a patriot, so he hates the Jets or an ex-patriot. I just think that it sort of provided cover for Wilson. All of a sudden, fans who are like, yeah, he stinks, he's a pretty boy, where's the headband, isn't very good on the field, uh, shouldn't have drafted him, is all of a sudden now, you know, poor, poor Zach. And I just think it's interesting how our culture sort of looks at things, and we're, we're a lot of us are just hypocrites. Well, just because the, the people who were criticizing Zach now came to his defense because of what Rodney said? Yeah, like in other words, like we just we're not really certain of our opinions. We're easily swayed, and you know, just people sort of flip left, flip right. No, well, I, here's what I think happened, Brian, and I appreciate the call. I think Jet fans are just thirsty. Like, let's keep it what it is. Let's keep it a stack. They're thirsty to have something to to gravitate to, uh, so that you're not spending the rest of the year, the final 13 games of the season, miserable. And, you know, hoping and praying that Rodgers comes back. So when you see, as you put it out, you know, one good half of football from Zach Wilson, you start to say, you know, maybe he can turn the corner. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett has found a way to, you know, ameliorate the playbook and and, and find an offense that's conducive to what he does well. Whereas in the past, right, obviously you had Rodgers come here. He helped install the offense. It was, you know, to his liking. So now you got to find a way to on the fly. Get it to where Zach's comfortable. So if you're a Jet fan, you watch that game and you start to talk yourself into trying to be more optimistic. Now, if he goes out there and he stinks tomorrow, we're going to be right back to where we were two weeks ago. Or, you know, let's just eight days ago, right before the Chiefs game. And all of that goodwill that he had established and built up comes tumbling down. So it's not that you're being hypocrite. It's just, you know, you're a sports fan, right? We're all emotional about this. We find every every way to keep ourselves dialed in and captivated. And the best way to do that is to, to find any source of optimism. And what you saw last Sunday against a, a top four defense has you just excited about and, you know, anxious about what you're going to see tomorrow in, in a must-win game for the Jets. Walter is in Long Island. What's up, Walter? Hey, oh, I love your work. Appreciate you. So, uh, um uh, I'm a long-time Jets fan. Real quick, spring break, 1970, myself and – that gives you an idea how old I am. Myself and three buddies sneak into the Fountain Blue. 
go up to the gym for a little workout. And as we're leaving, the elevator opens, and who's there but Joe Willie? Oh, wow. All right. So we stole three towels. Nobody nobody said anything. Uh, Here's the point. Yes, Zach put one game together. Let's pump the brakes. Let's see if he can do it again. Here's my other question. Uh, uh, Whether it's uh, Aaron Rodgers or uh, the Jets, if he's more comfortable with his rehab team in California, I heard he put a bariatric chamber on his front lawn. You mean to say on the East Coast we don't have comparable uh, medical uh, facilities where he can be happy? If he's got to bring his team here for three or four days a week? I don't know how that works, Arthur. I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not sure about the intricacies of uh, uh, of the rehab as it pertains to where he needs to be stationed to you know, get the best results. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm not that dialed into, you know, what he's doing on a day to day. I hear you. But Thank you. I, 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 I get your point. I appreciate the call. Your, the point you want to make is, you know, he's had a tremendous influence on on Zach, and you would love to see him be more present, which I, I, I guess is the goal following the bye week. That he's going to try to find find a way to to be more present in the facility. And we'll, we'll we'll see what it means. We'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, before we, you know, continue with the football, I wanted to take a quick break just because the Yankees, I mean, we spent the last three months kind of beating them into the ground, and rightfully so. But there were there were some things that happened that kind of, changed the way we spoke about them. For example, like once you heard the young players were coming up, you were excited, right? Like this is what you've been clamoring for. The the youth infusion. See what you got. Like let's stop running out the same lineup. Let's see what we got in the young players. Unfortunately, it started off hot, didn't necessarily end well. And then Jason Dominguez, he's got the UCL injury. And now he's going to be out nine to ten months. But like it, 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 it took us away from having to every single day excoriate them. But then I come across this story this week in the New York Post from Joel Sherman, and it, it sounds like the only change the Yankees it, it, that the Yankees are going to make is telling Aaron Boone he needs to be a little tougher. And I'm I'm just beside myself. Like when's the last time the Yankees? Had a season this bad. Like, even 2016 wasn't, it was disappointing, but it wasn't this bad because, like, the expectations weren't as high as they were to start this year. And remember in 2016, they had that series in Tampa where they got swept. It was like a reveal yourself series. And then they traded away Miller and Chapman, right? And, and, and it allowed them to go out there and get. Uh, you know, Glaber and, and Frazier, and they call guys up, and we saw the resurgence, or we saw the emergence, I should say, uh, of young players and Sanchez and Judge. But you mean to tell me that at the end of this marathon that saw the New York Yankees have their worst win percentage since 1992, the only change they're going to make is calling Aaron Boone into an office and saying, well, we need you to instill a little bit more discipline? Really? I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. So let's examine the, the timeline of the last year. So the Yankees, who are supposedly, 
championship or bust, gets swept by the Astros, completing a postseason where they went three and six. And after three and six in the playoffs, they re-signed their GM to a four-year deal. The GM who was directly responsible for their flameout because he's developed his allergy. I don't know if you guys have caught it. There's an allergy to putting a team together good enough to withstand the blows of the regular season in the playoffs. He he loves trading for guys who are either hurt or have a history of being hurt, and, and, and then we act all surprised when the guys get hurt. But that's what that that's the GM who got the four-year extension. Start the year, the Yankees were so bad that the owner went on the K show and declared, he decreed, like to everyone, uh, if they don't get the most out of this roster, that when it returns healthy, is able to get back to the playoffs, tough questions are going to be asked. Okay, so now we have to spend the rest of the year thinking about, okay, what are those tough questions he is going to ask? The Yankees, on their way to the roster being back healthy and missing the playoffs for the first time in seven years. As that's happening, we get this report that an independent company is going to come in and audit how the organization operates. Then we hear that Cashman will likely be retained, but then there's another report that Aaron Boone could be let go before the end of the season. So we're thinking, all right, not that like we want to see guys just fire left and right. It's just that we want to see that there's some accountability. Like You can't sell your fan base on, you're angry, you're frustrated, this is unacceptable, and then nothing's done about it. And Brian Cashman, to me, is the biggest reason for all of these flameouts. But when you hear, you know, he's not going to be fired, you're not surprised, you're angry, you're disappointed, but none of that shocks you. So, again, we get the report that Boone could be let go at the end of the season. Except just weeks later, we learned the Yankees will be audited, but it won't it won't in any way be a, a situation where personnel decisions are being recommended. It'll just be related to their analytics, players that they sign and trade for, like the efficacy of that, you know, injury-related things, like why are these guys getting hurt so much, all of the inner workings of the organization, as far as like the analytics and how this team is run, that's going to be audited. But there will be no recommendations of personnel decisions. Then we hear that the Yankees aren't going to be audited by an independent company. Instead, they're meeting with an outside group to do a comparison of the model they're using in this organization with another firm. So, like, everything just changed. We went from, oh, tough questions are going to be asked to, okay, we're bringing in in an independent company, and maybe that could lead to some changes. When they do a diagnosis and the autopsy is, yeah, what you're running here, this ain't working. Then it's like, oh, okay, uh, no no personnel decisions. Yeah, Cashman's going to be back. Uh, actually, you know what? There's no outside company coming in to do an audit. They're just going to be doing their own thing. We're going to audit ourselves and compare it to what everything else is, everything else that's happened. Then we're told Aaron Boone's likely back. And, and, and a couple of days ago, I read the story from Joel Sherman Essentially reporting, Cashman's a lock to return. Hal likes Boone and doesn't really want to fire him. So he's going to have to ultimately decide his fate. But the big decision really is going to be that he insists on him instilling more discipline within his room. Because we know Boone likes to coddle his players, which, by the way, is something they wanted more of. And now they're asking him to reverse course because it's not working. But that's what is going to happen with this team. And it's so disgusting. What were the tough questions you were going to be asking? 
Because what's the tough question that you ask to guys that you're retaining? Missing the playoffs for the first time in seven years, you can't be that disgusted. You can't be that frustrated. You can't be that angry when you're bringing the same regime back. What are these tough questions? I would love to know. I would love to know how. What are the tough questions you're asking these guys? You can't tell me you viewed this season as a failure. You can't still say the mantras championship or bust. Your actions are not showing that. And it's so funny, right? All we heard when when Rodgers was 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 getting traded to the, the to the Jets. I don't know, guys. I don't think it's going to work out. That stuff that flew in Green Bay with that media, New York media, it's tough. Really? So the big, bad New York media, what kind of smoke they have for the Yankees and Cashman? What kind of smoke they have for Hal Steinbrenner? Because it feels like they just continue to get a pass. Why aren't we sounding the alarms about this even more? Because we were told, you know, at a four-time league MVP, a Hall of Fame quarterback who's won a Super Bowl coming to a Jet organization that hasn't been to the playoffs in 12 years, somehow the... The thorn in their side was going to be the New York media because Rodgers wasn't going to be able to handle it. But the Yankees just get a pass? Like, they're doing this, and I don't really hear people talking about it. I guess the good, the only good thing I take from it is the comments I heard from Judge and from Cole and how they want to be more involved in the decision-making process as far as, like, you know, what this organization has to change. Because, look, as much as we love to yell and scream about analytics— Having access to numbers, information, trends, data, that's smart. That's what the best organizations in every sport should do. But allowing that to hold you hostage is unbecoming and a recipe for disappointment every single year that we've seen from the New York Yankees. And by their own standards, they have been failing and flopping for 14 years and somehow you bring back the same regime the same personnel the guy's most responsible so what we can look at is like the brilliance of Cole and Judge and great bullpens and the fact that they've been able to take advantage of beating up on a bunch of bad and tanking teams. You see baseball's got that problem where, I mean, the teams are just tanking. And, and look, it's working for the Orioles. It worked for the Astros. So like, how, how, do you, how are you not incentivized to do that? But they're taking advantage of, uh, uh, of the two great players having tremendous seasons, a great bullpen, beating a bunch of bad teams. And it's masking the bigger problem that's crippling them which is that they've become too reliant on robots, on computers. They've forgotten about the human element. They've forgotten about natural variables. They've forgotten about IQ. They've forgotten about team leadership, pedigree, awareness. So, yes, the infusion of numbers, data, that's welcome. You should be using that. But to become handcuffed by it doesn't make any sense. And to, 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 to wallow in your stubbornness is even more detrimental. What I love that has become of this whole situation was like before the year when it was viewed as premature to be complaining about the Yankees. You know, people confused like frustration and not succumbing to foolishness as 
being spoiled brats. Oh, Yankee fans are spoiled. What do they know? They don't know. What are the Yankees good at? Keeping players healthy? No. Trades? Uh, yeah. Frankie Montas. What a, you knocked that one out the park. Joey Gallo. Josh Donaldson. Even the Stanton deal looks terrible now. And, and in real time, I was for that deal. But that has not aged well. What are they good at? Free agency? No. What, remember when the Yankees just go out and sign the best players? And I know they went out and got cold, but the fact that they were n- at no point in on Harper and Machado is still a disgrace. Are they good at developing players? No. You know what they're good at? They're good at making excuses. They're good at lying to the fans. And then they're good at, after watching another season blow up in smokes, another season end in failure, bring the same thing back and expect a change. You see the Orioles win 100 games this year, Yankees? You think they're going away? You see the Rays win 100 games? You think they're going away? They are in your division. You see the Blue Jays be better than you this year? New York Yankees, even in their offseason, continuing to take L's. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls. We will return right here on 9870 ESPN.